2: Yeah. Uh well it was Jaime's idea so he's going to take credit for it but I actually did the the work so
0: Yeah I'm the I'm the idea
2: guy and Tim's the execution guy. I still don't guy. have
4: the document. I feel Hang on out.
2: a second. <laughs> will you got Ron Always the last
4: man. At-
2: So, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 118 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hi there. And we have Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And once again, we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And special surprise entertainment guests, we have Tammy Coron in Tennessee. Hey. And we also have Greg Hio down in San Francisco. How's it going, eh? All right. <laughs> this is going to be nuts. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's our specialty.
3: Mm. All
2: right. So let's get into the fu then. All right, jump in there.
3: Okay, Tim, it's your fu. It's like all you and Mark. Oh wait, I got a couple well, items too, but they're at the end.
4: And yet, I still have no document.
0: Tim. Tim. Yeah, just a second. Just just a so a second. while that's happening, we actually do have one bit of fu, and that was just from Troy Hannah at underscore at third underscore beach. Could you discuss the rumors of a Jet White iPhone, which has come up? And would it look mm. smashing with a ceramic edition watch? I'd say, yeah, it would look smashing. And two, I was like, sure, why not? I don't think it will be called Jet White because that doesn't make sense.
1: I sure hope not. I saw <laughs> someone tweeted the dictionary definition of Jet along with that saying, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's going to be called something else. But ceramic, uh, ceramic computer, that would be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ceramic everything. Bring it. I don't think we're going to see that but i would like that very much looks really sure sure. Sure. what would happen if you if you drop that thing how is the watch the ceramic watch for sort of drop or does that thing shatter you know
3: i don't think anyone has tried doing it
2: no it's a special type of ceramic i think we talked about that when it was first announced it's it's not it's not your run of the mill earth clay it's a special kind of clay Uh, okay still yeah. though i wonder what the drop
1: tests were like and you know what kind of what kind of force what kind of drop was needed to actually shatter the thing if that were because like, i imagine it's, it's
2: got to be possible somehow right drop it off sure. the CN tower or something hmm well i also wonder too like this the, i guess it would have the sapphire glass uh cover which apparently i have never he- not heard of any of those shattering right
0: sure
2: mm, so i've seen pictures of watches shattering and i've got a scratch on mine but uh because i have the cheapo developer glass version right well, I remember another quick piece of FU from last week. I think uh, Nolan O'Brien,
1: friend of the show, also tweeted, and I did, about uh, how people were probably shouting into the podcast when Aaron was saying, or somebody was saying, that Apple has never released anything in December. And I think I had at least one, the Trashcan Mac Pro, and I think he may have had another, or maybe the same one. So
3: I think someone mentioned software that was released in December. So, okay, I was wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's why um, we have
0: FU, to, to have corrections. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Tim, you've got some FU on the adapter prices. This uh, was interesting, too.
2: The USB adapter pricing. Apple's dropped the prices considerably, I think, you know, 10 to $20 based on the different adapters. And I guess that's based on the, the Firestorm that was the response to the, uh, I guess, four USB-C ports on the new MacBook Pros, right? Or the two on the Escape
3: Edition MacBook Pro so there's been a lot of people upset we talked about this last week how upset people were and uh i think apple has heard them and that is amazing in and of itself that they have have seen fit to respond by doing something i don't know that here i'm going to do this again greg so better catch me now i don't know that apple's ever done this before in response to customer complaint dropping prices um now they've being careful to say this is just until the end of the year uh, which is particularly noteworthy when you look at the 4 and 5k displays from LG which aren't even going to be available until December so you're effectively only going to have a couple weeks to take advantage of this lower pricing and it is significant the price drop is significant Um, just from memory the 5k display uh, in Canadian dollars was in the 16 to 1700 dollar range but now it's in the twelve dollars to $1,300 range. So significant. It's not nothing. So if you are potentially in the market for one of these displays, um, this launch pricing, as they might be referring to it now, is really a great time to go out and get one of them.
5: Are they Assuming still ugly, though, though?
3: Yes, they are still ugly, Greg. And that's, that's the part that makes me just want to <laughs> grind my teeth. But this is really the best and only way you, can, you have today to get a retina display that you can plug into a notebook with an Apple logo on it anyway. So, yeah, it's it's uh, a bad situation. But, uh, you know, uh, given the topic that we're never going to touch on this show, we seem to be used to dealing with terrible situations. And this seems, like, much more trivial now.
0: I mean, it does look really nice for a um, holiday gift, right? Because for those of you driving at home in the United States of America, that would be... A drop from thirteen hundred dollars US to nine hundred seventy-four dollars, which is like holy smokes! Like that's practically stocking stocking stuffer price. Wow!
6: (laughs) Buy two big people down there. Yeah, get one for everybody in the family. Yeah, it's essentially the same price as the Thunderbolt display was Mm -hmm. before it discontinued. Mm -hmm. Even in Canada, that's
3: what the price was back in the day. So, because we had we had parity back then. Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna buy one. I already got my 5K iMac.
1: I did buy a bunch of the USB-C
0: adapters. If you guys already talked about that, um,
1: yep, yeah, I stocked up. Yeah, it's a good time to do it.
0: Because it would be nice if that you know at least something to connect your phone would come free in the box with your um, MacBook Pro, right? I mean, it's not an unreasonable thing. But otherwise, I'm like, okay, good. They they, they dropped the prices. They they felt the pressure.
1: I mean, they that's gave good. the headphone adapter for the iPhone 7. So I did think the USB-C, the USB-A would be included. But uh, eh, it's $9. So, I mean, they could have included it. Maybe if they had foreseen some of the backlash and whatnot, then they would have done it. But that's too bad.
0: It's not like they still can't do it for the holidays. I mean, if, if you go to like, you know, so coming up soon will be um, American Thanksgiving. And you're going to have Black Friday uh, the day right after. And what you're going to see is the video game companies or the retailers themselves depending what you're talking about would be like hey you want to get this playstation 4 guess what we've got the like you know super sports edition that comes with you know madden 2017 and like two controllers and pack it all in it's not like they can't just give you one when you're going out the door in the apple store did they do
1: that for those MagSafe adapters or was that something else i'm thinking of Mm -hmm. good question maybe with the remember the thunderbolt displays had magsafe one but then when they came up magsafe two were they not giving away those small little things and eventually they're included in the box
2: they were nine dollars i bought a bunch of them okay yeah i bought one so greg i was curious what um adapters did you buy for your new macbook pro i assume you bought one of those too Uh, I
1: didn't, but I will get one eventually, and I thought maybe I could stock up on the adapters while they're in sale. I did get a USB-C to A, which I can use with my existing MacBook. And I think I got the SD card adapter. The SanDisk one was also discounted. It's not an Apple product, but um, it's just a USB-C to SD. And again, I can use that on my current MacBook. And I believe that... Oh, I think I got a USB-C to Lightning as well, which I can also use with my current MacBook. And then someday if I get the new MacBook Pros, I can use it over there as well. So I think I got those three. Oh, so you have the tiny MacBook as well, right? I the, do. The, 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 11... the 2016 edition of the one that, uh, that Aaron has. Right. And
2: it just has one USB port on it? That's
1: right. Not Thunderbolt 3, but it's regular USB-C. Oh, I see. I think Ooh. the one adapter that they have is the Thunderbolt 3 to Thunderbolt 2. So I could not use that on my MacBook. But the new MacBook Pros can, uh, can use that.
2: Oh, so the, the the MacBooks can't support a Thunderbolt 3 device, is that correct? That's right. That um, Well, I'm sure it existed, but
1: it the, that's not what they have in them. So it's just the MacBook Pros that have the Thunderbolt 3. Do you
6: want to move right, on so to Mark, the yeah, MacBook Pro
1: sales, Mark?
6: Yeah, so we heard some rumors that the pre-orders for the MacBook Pro were, were very strong, and now we're actually seeing some data coming out showing that that is the case. Uh, there's a link to a nice graph that shows just in the past five days or sorry just in the first the first five days of sales for the new MacBook Pro it was almost as high the sales are almost as high as all of the 12-inch MacBook sales since April of 2015 that's its launch just just down by about 18 percent lower uh since launch right and it's about double again this is just in the first five days it's about double the sales of the dell xps 13 since january 1st 2015 and about four times the microsoft surface book uh since october 26 2015 Uh, and there's there's some other ones listed as well but but the bottom line is it's it's dominating sales are doing very very well so this is great news
3: I'm um, just looking at how they acquire their data. That's, uh, it's interesting too. They analyze email receipts among its panel of 4.4 4 million online shoppers. So it's, um, a representative sample. So it's not like data directly mm-hmm. from Apple by any means.
6: Sure. Sure. Well, Apple will never release that data directly. No, of course they never would. But, uh, this is a good way to at least get a, uh, a, uh, a benchmark I and mean, it's, it, the numbers might not be exactly right, but when we're talking about, you know, two X, uh, that's pretty significant. No kidding. Okay,
3: huge, huge lead, which explains why Microsoft yep. is so interested in taking down the MacBook. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got another thing on Apple Pay?
6: I do. Yeah. So also some numbers on Apple Pay came out. Apple Pay on the web uh, is now the number five ranked uh, in usage of all the, uh, the uh, payment on the web uh, solutions out there uh the first four actually are in one form or another paypal which is no surprise there's the main paypal there's this brain tree uh, and then there's also stripe which is ahead uh that's pretty impressive considering that all of the rest of them have been out for long a lot longer they're on other platforms other than the mac uh and uh and uh for apple pay to come in number five is is, is pretty impressive
5: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Considering that it's like options, like as you mentioned, if you went company-wise, you would at least shove the two PayPal options, PayPal and PayPal subscribe together at right. a minimum. And if you wanted yeah. to, you could break out um, Braintree, which is you know still owned by, by PayPal um, and Stripe being separate. So uh, company-wise, they are top three. Um, hmm. And if you separate them out just to keep out subsidiaries... Uh, they're top four not not number five and that's pretty impressive considering like how short a time it's been and i'm not even sure it's available in all markets right it's just yeah probably
6: not no definitely not Is it available in canada no barely who
2: knows (laughs)
0: like the web version like i know there's there's altogether different things uh related to like the physical pay and stuff but if you had a card in Canada that was available for Apple Pay in general, I assume it's available on the web?
3: Of course, yeah. Yeah, okay, there's no, cool. it's not Apple Pay for mobile only versus web. Um, the support is, is there regardless of where you're using it. So it'll work fine. It's just assuming that you have a, a supporting bank account. That's all that matters.
2: Oh, so let, so this isn't just people using MacBook Pros to buy things? You can no, use, no, no. You can use Touch ID on your phones and your iPads?
6: Yeah, that's what that's what this is for the most part. Oh, I Apple Pay okay, on the right. web is that solution. Yeah, but it's still limited to people using Safari and some type of Touch ID iPhone or, or something. When you can when you consider that that as I said, when PayPal has Windows users, it's got uh, Google users, Chrome users, uh, and and uh, the number of potential users using Apple Pay is much smaller. It's it's all the more impressive.
2: Okay, cool. So, Aaron, you have a couple of follow-up items as well, right? Yeah. Last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about
3: JSON a lot. Uh, JSON is... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what JSON is. If you don't know, then go look it up. <laughs> um, but we've talked about uh, uh, other JSON technologies like uh, protobufs, which uh, do rely on JSON to a certain extent. And last week, we talked about something else. And you know, if I actually scroll back in our show notes, I could tell you what that was. Um I'm not seeing the it.
6: JSON, JSON Swift thing, right? JSON, JSON Swift. Swift. That's
3: right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, making making JSON model files from from Swift data sources. Well, just to continue in that in that trend, uh, we have something called JSONet, which is a new project that's available on GitHub, which creates a native mobile app, an iOS app, from JSON. So you have JSON sitting on a server, and you have this framework sitting inside your iOS app, and it calls out to the server, pulls down this JSON, and constructs a complete working native application. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I am incredibly skeptical, <laughs> but uh, it definitely looks interesting.
6: It sounds sounds awfully dangerous to me. It's a good way to let someone hack your phone.
3: No kidding. I mean, no kidding, right? Because <laughs> you know somebody could change your application logic if they got in the middle of that. Um, so you know they're obviously they're doing a lot of weird stuff. Like just just look at the JSON format that you have to uh, adhere to in order to transport application logic into uh, this. What is just a basic data uh, transport format JSON? So. Uh, the links in the show notes. Just have a look at it. Um, it's a little mind blowing, and I'm a little, I'm a lot leery. Uh, so, <laughs>
2: uh,
3: um, but uh, definitely part of the JSON trend that we've had going in the last few shows.
2: Aaron, did you see that
3: sneaky
1: Greg Hugh did to our notes? He's very shifty. All oh, right, uh, that just that just reminded me. I wanted to put in this quick little thing. It's a GitHub. It's a GitHub repo, but the readme is like practically article length. It's called uh, JSON Shootout. And it compares several of those JSON libraries out there, like Marshall, Unbox, uh, Object Mapper, things like that. But um, there's like a quick, like, here's what it looks like how to define a JSON model in each of these. Here's what the code mm-hmm. looks like. And there's also a, a shootout, like a performance thing to say how long did it take to you know, serialize 10,000 objects or something like that. So if you are trying to decide which uh, JSON library to use in Swift, then just check this out. And there's a sample project and everything that you can run and see the comparison for yourself cool cool but the um the advice from apple right and they had that swift <laughs> article remember this
3: this yeah, is why you're laughing right that is why I'm uh, laughing. they said don't use any of these things because uh you should just be
1: doing it natively raw of in course. swift
6: but if you're here in the real
1: world writing apps then you should check this out on how to do your JSON. <sighs> speak it speak <laughs> it greg heel <laughs> yeah
6: hey, i'm in the real world and i use my own
1: Ah, there you go okay <laughs>
2: you guys should. So on well. Ro- room it is swift right what's that Use Rubin to Swift. <laughs> Swift. Ruben to yeah. Swift. Yeah. Maybe that's something you can put on GitHub. Link uh. in the show notes.
1: <laughs> Alright, Aaron, you're also an iOS engineer. What else do you have on uh No, stop
3: that. Don't <laughs> oh. say that.
5: <laughs>
1: It's terrible. Yeah. Sick burn, Greg. Big time. I just want to
3: point out, and long-time listeners of the show, because I don't think we've spoken about this for some time, uh, will know that uh, Tim and I object to the use of the term engineer to describe what we do, because it's a protected term in the province of Ontario, where we live. And uh just saw this evening on Twitter a, a an example of what happens if you do use that term in Ontario. Uh, you go to court. And in the case of this one engineering firm uh, and its principal were fined $10,000 for advertising the fact that they were engineers on their website. So, uh, and what they were and not, the, is what you're saying. They are not. Okay. They were not. They are not. Um, and so this uh, judgment was, was leveled against the company. They um, have to pay their $10,000 and they have to like pull that crap from the website and stop claiming that they're engineers.
2: I was going to say so so in the claim it says that they were they were offering professional serv- engineering services you're saying that they said they were software engineers or No no not software or...
3: not software engineers I mean if you look at it um it's it's a PDF that's part of the attached uh thing there right. yeah. but they they had a website it's um let's see Falcon Group International which is an engineering uh, purports to be an engineering firm um and I clearly don't have tons of detail about this, but uh, they they were sued, I suppose, by the um, by the Professional Engineers Association of Ontario. Right. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. It went to court. The verdict was handed down, and uh, they were fined. So this is not specifically about software engineering, but uh, right, right. You know, like, suffice <laughs> I to say. Yeah. Stop, stop calling yourselves engineers.
0: That's all I but that's do. that's a rather awkward one, right? So, like, my current job title literally is iOS engineer. I know. I know. So, I don't know, like, if I if I, if I cross the border and they ask you, what do you do? I'm like, iOS, en- uh, I mean, developer?
3: Yeah. That's what you ought is to say. What, is that what I should yeah, do? Am yeah. I, I breaking the law? like,
0: calling myself an engineer? You're yeah,
3: probably not yeah. breaking the law if don't you just forget. tell somebody. it. But <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. Like, what the tweet I saw was from Mark Pavlidis, um, and uh, he actually is, I think,
4: Yes, he, he is, an, engin- is yes, he an engineer.
3: he is. A, I think
2: a Ph.D. I think actually engineer. Yeah,
3: I know he's got a Ph.D. I just wasn't sure if it was an engineering. So, uh, he kind of uh, pointed to uh, a firm in Toronto which does uh, iOS development, uh, Pivotal Labs. They're they're kind of big, and they call all their developers engineers because the wow. the term has crossed the border and infected. Uh, Companies in Canada and in Ontario in particular. Uh, So his he was just sort of tweaking them a little bit, saying, you know, change your job titles because this is the sort of thing that can happen if you go calling yourselves an engineer. Uh, Interesting, yeah,
5: yeah.
6: So according to Google, Falcon Engineering or Falcon Group rather does structural, architectural, and energy consulting types of engineering. So that's that's very different than software.
3: Yes, yes, mechanical engineering
6: yeah yeah I, c- I can see people getting upset if if uh you sign off on on a building being structurally sound and say you're an engineer and you aren't actually one that's that's a little different than than writing an app though i think
3: i agree with you yeah i agree with yeah, you and sure. that that yeah. explains mm-hmm. why the why it went to court and why there was a verdict handed down and all that but
6: mm-hmm.
3: yeah anyway thought i'd point it out and that's why it's fu it's fu for things that we've spoken about like Months, if not years ago. <laughs> yeah.
6: um, the most interesting thing from this, this uh, document that they're quoting is that the person who made the decision, his title is his worship justice of the peace. Yeah. Is that uh, what judges are called? In- yeah. yeah. I mean, welcome yeah. to
2: Canada. Really? Hello. <laughs> yeah.
6: Wow.
3: Uh,
2: yeah. We're, you're going like, to know that. You're going to need to know that when you immigrate. Yeah. When
6: I, I move know. up there. Right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, our head of state is the queen, right?
6: I did know that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and she's a, uh, she's a lady. She is a lady. <laughs> uh, can we go to the main Can we go to the series
0: on Netflix, too?
3: Yeah, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to watch that. I'm I haven't really seen it, no spoilers. No, no, I haven't seen it yet either, but I'm very much looking forward to that. But I assume she
0: survives till the end of the series, so I guess that's sort of a spoiler just from like a to standpoint. Say. <laughs> it's not Game of Thrones here.
3: No.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Hey, Greg.
2: Uh, yes. Did you know this this episode is brought to you by Hired? No kidding. I wish someone would tell us about them. Well, there you go. How about Aaron? Take it away. Beautiful.
3: Searching for a new job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. Sometimes you'll go all the way through an interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. But then there's Hired. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. Over a four-week time frame, you receive personalized interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about which opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. Hired offers access to 4,000 and more innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. We help people find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Just let us know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance to us. That's why Hired hides your profile from your current and past employers. The best part, it's always free for you to find your next job on Hired, no exceptions. We pay you to get hired. Today's listeners can earn double our normal $1,000 hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right, earn $2,000 for finding your next chapter on Hired. Just go to the URL, www.hired.com slash more than just code.
0: All right, beautiful. Couldn't have
3: said it better myself. You need, cue, uh, oh. to, you need a little musical cue.
1: Oh, a little musical cue I think. Da, da,
2: da, 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 That's that's already too long. Yeah,
1: okay. Like, you know, five I notes, know. two notes, something like that. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Yeah, bing bong, boom boom
1: boom. We don't really want to be ATP
3: here, so let's just not not have that long-ass conversation.
2: We'll just
0: have like 7 minutes we'll have um for the love of money by the OJs playing before the sponsor read <laughs> money, <laughs> more, during money. during the
1: sponsor read. Even better. Now,
0: now
5: so tim yeah, i met uh, I met
1: your contact from uh, buddy build the other day oh did you
2: um, dennis um yes dennis
1: uh no it was a it was a lady um i've forgotten her name now oh uh, ashley or Critic-
2: alicia? alicia alicia
1: that's it yes she said she was like the community manager and i said are you sh- responsible for sponsoring podcasts and she said yes and i said oh do you know the more than just code God? Uh, more than just code and she's like oh yeah that's tim right and so uh, yeah people know you
2: Actually, one of their engineers is a fan of the show. Uh, no kidding. Probably multiple of them. Oh, sorry, a friend of the show. So I forgot your name, but thanks for being a listener. <laughs> and change your job title.
1: Yeah, they are Canadian. So based on... the ba- oh, Did he's... I
2: say engineer? Oh, my God. Could, it you could totally actually did. be an
1: engineer. You don't know. So um, who knows? Give them the benefit of the doubt. By the way, Buddy Build is also hiring
2: engineers and they're in, they're in Canada. They in are college? in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, okay. software developers are hiring software developers. Yes.
6: Mark, was 10. Right. Let's hear it. Today, uh, Apple released a new version of iOS 10.1.1, which has already been out for a few days, but this is a new build, and it's it's kind of strange, because apparently, if you've already uploaded or, or updated to 10.1.1 on your device uh, over the air, it won't update to the new one, but as soon as you plug into iTunes, it'll update it. Uh, if you if you do if you haven't updated to 10.1.1 yet and you do update over the air then you get the new version and it's it's not clear what's actually in this version there's there's nothing new in the in the release notes that isn't in the previous one so it you know it must be some just kind of minor bug fix but but it's kind of odd i don't remember Apple ever doing this before
2: well how about last week
5: <laughs>
2: what do you mean yeah, there were tweets where people were saying that they were offered to update to a version they already had installed. Is that what you're talking about, Aaron? No. I'm
3: um, talking about macOS Sierra 10.12.1. When that came out, there was a subsequent 10.12.1 release as well.
6: Oh, yeah, I didn't hear about that.
3: True story. Okay. And um, All right. All apparently right. you need that in order to use the touch bar support in Xcode point that's one true. does that sound yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I guess this the second release of the ten twelve one included the Touch Bar support. But you know what I think? I think somebody at Apple is brand new to this and doesn't get version numbering yet. Doesn't realize that a new <laughs> version of the software means you've got to bump up the point release.
1: What is it? Semver.org? dot Where should we point them to?
3: Yes. Excellent, Craig. Uh, yes, there is a um, semantic versioning. Yes, um, that is
6: it. Yeah, th- this is kind of like a, a hot fix, right? Which is a common thing. You don't update the version number, but it's a different build. But that usually means that you re- you did your release and maybe didn't QA it quite good enough, and there's a critical bug in there that you have to fix.
3: Yeah, still bump the point number, man, because it causes havoc with uh, you know software update mechanisms, just like we're seeing here. That's my. I'm sticking to it. Let's move on because that was well, just actually thing. just
2: one one quick before you move off that one. You just um, can't be tamed. Well, no, it's yes. Yeah, it's just that the last week I, I mentioned my pick was uh, the on the NS Touch Bar tutorial from Ray Wenderlich, and well, I had actual trouble running it, even though I had updated my OS and maybe I had the previous build and not the the later build that I would need to support that.
1: Yeah, you had not the ten twelve one Tim, but the ten twelve one. So that was probably it.
2: Yeah, so that was my problem. Yeah. Okay. Clearly, <laughs>
1: dummy. <laughs> You had to actually look at the bill number. (laughs) (laughs) It's harsh.
3: It's a harsh business, Greg.
1: Uh, This is is the show these
3: days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tim, you've got something about counterfeit iPhone apps. I read this earlier this week.
2: Yeah, I was reading this. uh, I think it came out yesterday in the Toronto Star. Uh, Is that where you read it? Yep. Yes, it was left for me on the breakfast table this morning as I came down the stairs. And apparently a a pile of uh, apps... uh, Purporting to be famous retailers around the world have appeared in the App Store, gotten through the whole process, and they're actually counterfeit iPhone apps built by companies apparently out of China. So somehow Shocker. these managed, manage, yeah, exactly. Somehow these managed to get onto the App Store. Maybe somebody should build a wall in the App Store, but um, <laughs> they'll pay for the, it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting that these things are showing up and of course, you know, the the danger is that I think one of them was was advertising Uggs, which are a popular boot. The danger would be that, you know, you might put personal information into the into the app and credit card numbers and send them off to China to be replicated and used until they discover that they're being used. But interesting that that these apps are getting onto the App Store in the first place, kind of don't you think? Um Oh god, yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like some of them are obvious. Like uh, I'll admit, I didn't know Jimmy Choo because I don't roll in those circles and I'm not, you know, apparently fashionable enough. But even I can recognize, you know, Overstock, Foot Locker, you know, some of the like really obvious ones that you think would cause somebody to say, wait a minute, is this legit?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's true. Absolutely. Uh, And this is the peculiar, peculiar thing because a lot of these apps are coming from a single developer who, creates these fake apps on behalf of clients, right? And so, and for like about three grand, he says, for an app written in English, I guess they're less expensive if they're in Chinese, right? Because who knows? (laughs) Okay. I don't even want to get in that. But the point is, uh, I, I think, um, my guess here is that, um, the, the, this one Chinese company cloaker, I mean, why would you be calling it that if you were not some kind of D bag, but they're they're presumably posting these apps under their own developer ID and yet they're still in business. What gives? That's my question. Yeah. What gives? Yeah. Why does Apple not shut these companies down? Like
2: you yank their their developer account and it's over. And yet they must they must spin over to a de- different name so they must they must have this all sort of figured out.
3: I'm sorry, I was just going to say though like it is not like it's not something that an automated bot can do to set up a, a new IT, uh, iTunes Connect account, right? No, no,
2: I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I meant, I meant that the, uh, a nefarious person can just find another way to create another account, right? But they're using like that credit a, card you just entered on the website, right? Yeah, but it's
3: like it, it to me. Like it's, it's been years since I've done this, so maybe it's better now or easier. But it's totally non-trivial to set up an iTunes Connect account so that you're selling apps on the
1: store. Right? That's You've got to true. give up tons of info. They would find these fast enough. You would go through all of that the rigmarole to set up an account, uh, yeah. add your couple of scam apps. They should find them quickly. And kill your account. Then you're gonna set up another account. Maybe you'll get one well, or two apps through.
2: And then it's like, oh, they'll find it and they'll kill it. That that would be ideal, right? But how okay, many but apps so, do these so people you? people have? So you, guys, so you guys mentioned the good old days, right? In the good old days, when people used to hack your servers, they would get onto your server through a weak password or an FTP account. They would set uh, set up their their whatever their backdoor is, and then they would leave for six months, right? And they would go and attack other servers. And a second team would come along and use that exploit once the servers that they were working on got discovered. So it's totally Totally reasonable to think that they could take time to, you know, maybe six months or two months or whatever it is to build a, a, a set of accounts that are fake that they can then, once the first one gets discovered, they move on to the next one. That's that's an old hacker trick. And that means what? Uh, so, I'm, I'm so saying so as soon rep- as one fake app sh- shows up,
1: they should shut it down. But it seems like these apps are sticking around for... A really long time, and even and if the they
3: developers have, are being allowed to stay,
1: yeah, and even if they have another account, that's fine they'll move to their other account that they had ready, but then they'll put another fake app, and they should get pulled like it doesn't matter; they could have a million fake accounts, but they shouldn't stick around as long as they do exactly, Absolutely. so like
2: it comes down to apple's process for for vetting these guys i guess because um, because one of the articles in one of the points in the article was that one store got shut down and then like a couple of days later another one sprung up so so like i'm saying they must have already had the cards on the table ready to play
5: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i just i don't understand that you know like this is not something that
3: you can readily replicate or script like you can with certain other web services
2: that's true, like, and 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 with the two hundred dollars US or hundred dollars US, you have to to fork over. They well, clearly yeah, they're making too. way more money than that to to be able to afford this. Because why would they they'd be involved in this business if it didn't? You know, if it was if they weren't making more than a hundred dollars per account, right? Mm. So, I wonder if the automated or or I don't know if
1: it's automated, but the fast app store review that we've gotten uh, in recent memory, at least, if that yeah, has something, something to do of... with it. Like, have we had this problem in previous holiday seasons? But when we had like the seven day review back in the back in the bad old days, or maybe the good old days, I should say
2: i think I think we may have had some some uh, we may have talked about this on the podcast before because this did ring a bell with me when i when I saw this uh, this article. Anybody else remember that This seems to be on a no. much larger scale though isn 't it yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I wonder if um, i I
1: think everyone was assuming that they have some automated system to speed up the reviews, but maybe these people are. Well, I mean it's an arms race, right? They get clever at finding the holes in whatever the exactly. review process is. And yep. uh maybe this is something that they'll have to look at and maybe we'll have to
2: go down to 3 day reviews or something. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and if you look at the names that they're used here, they they're like 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 you said Footlock as opposed <laughs> to Foot Locker, you know, and they're off by a letter and and you know, if Apple has an automated system and they're you know, they're going to check for things like Oprah and Foot Locker yeah. and you know, they should have done footlocker
1: Bring, without the final e you know that's how all the internet startups are named right just drop the final e footlocker yeah.
6: mm-hmm. right k yeah exactly Hello, that would be better. oh that
1: was web 2.0 man they don't do that
3: anymore
6: are
1: we past that man i'm so out of date <laughs> we are
2: shame on you greg heo so that's the counterfeit, and just in time for the christmas shopping season and a, and for black friday mm-hmm. there you go can't wait
3: um, okay do you want to talk about the mac app store well
2: i see you've posted something here from dan council so why don't you tell us i got a couple of about. things
3: and uh this this is a officially it's a mega topic mega topic So I'm all excited about it. Uh, So it's a topic that's near and dear to many of our hearts. The Mac App Store, something that's been around for a few years, but which has not taken off to the extent that the iOS App Store has. And Dan Council, longtime Mac developer, uh, maker of, oh, things and stuff, real Mac software. You know, the guys. uh, Has a impromptu, uh, apropos of nothing, really, article about what he'd like to see changed on the Mac App Store. And we've seen articles like this in the past, and there's really nothing has changed because, of course, Apple doesn't care about the Mac, as we discussed last week. So the complaints that he has here, uh, as long as well as his wish list, um, I would expect to continue to go unheard by Apple. Uh, but I love articles like this, and so I cannot resist posting them. Uh, so let's just go through it a little bit here. Um, one of his big complaints about it is the sandbox uh, requirement of course and so there's apps that are continuing to leave the Mac App Store because of these sandbox requirements um, including their own uh, Rapid Weaver which was their app uh, but we've seen Panic's code and Coda sorry and uh, Sketch leave the App Store in the recent past and it continues to be an issue I was just listening to Core Intuition last week uh, developer Dan Jalkett, who is the maker of Mars MarsEdit, who is working on the next major version of that app. Uh, you guys know Mars Edit, the blog software? Yes. Yep, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he is there in the App Store today, but uh, he's been grandfathered, as all uh, existing Mac apps were when uh, sandboxing came in. So what Apple had told developers at the time was, if you do not release a major update to the app, you can continue to be non sandboxed in the store. So you can do like bug fixes and stuff, small things. But if you go for a big release, then we're going to enforce sandboxing on your app. And so that's been what, two years now. And so apps like Mars edit, which were most decidedly unsandboxable, or, you know, I shouldn't say go that far, but a lot of work would be required to sandbox the app. Um, so he's been sort of working around that but it's really slowed down mars edit development at this point dan Jalkett is knowing that he's he's got to release a major version of the software and so he is making it sandboxed uh but it's costing him a lot of development Hmm. time and so this is kind of one of the problems um and i I don't think apple cares about it at all (laughs) um Another thing is pricing models. So the 30% take that Apple makes uh, whenever you sell applications on their store uh, needs to be changed significantly. Uh, And they've shown some signs of doing that with their subscriptions, uh, which the changes they made last spring. Um, So when you get to a certain level of subscriptions, then they start taking uh, smaller slices of that. Uh, Let's do that for the Mac App Store, too. The big thing, to my mind, I think it's a big thing, is the quality of the apps on the store. The, it's pretty low. And um, the, he says here there are 30,000 apps on the store. and That seems about right, uh, which is nothing compared to what's on the I- iOS store, which Great. we figure around 2 million apps right now. But it still needs to be pared down significantly, uh, which Apple is starting to do, at least on iOS. And I don't know Here, question for the panel. Uh, Are they doing this on the Mac, too? This whole um, paring down, if you haven't updated your app in the last several years? I don't think so. That's iOS only, isn't it?
2: Yeah, as far as I know, I I don't know that we know that much about apps on the App Store. You think you're pretty much the only one we know that's published anything there recently. Yeah,
1: from what I remember reading, it said iOS App Store, because that's the one that's overrun with apps. I think if they started pruning stuff from the Mac App Store, it would be a very, very sad uh, storefront, I
3: think. Yes, I think that maybe that is why Apple's not doing it, because there just aren't a lot of apps. Yeah, I think there's there's not that worry that they have on iOS. Yeah. Right. Uh, and for all these reasons, right? I mean, you can, you can look at this, and maybe you could say to yourself, look, there are not a lot of Mac developers. There's not a lot of Mac apps compared to iOS for sure, right? So that if you did go through this rather you know, extensive cleaning effort, you would end up with a storefront that was too small that didn't have everything that people needed regardless of quality. Um, On the other hand, you could also say that the problems that exist for the Mac app store is causing developers to stay away from it. Um, And I, I think you could make a good argument for both sides. So, that's what Dan Council has to say. And he's a smart guy and you should listen to him. The link is in the show notes. But the other thing, the the reason I'm bringing it up is because someone else has come up with a potential solution for that. And this is the link in the show notes that uh, accompanies this section. Holy crap. I went to the link and like crazy advertising things occurred. So my apologies for that. If you see that here, there's a new app coming. Um, I'm not sure exactly when, but it's called set app, S E T A P P and it proclaims to be a Netflix for Mac OS applications. Think about that. Just let that sink in. Is your mind blown yet? Your mind is blown. I can tell from the silence. Will I
2: have trouble finding my list? Your list of what? My list of shows that I want to watch on Netflix. Oh, no, I should think not. Because uh, it takes a very
3: different approach. Although it... um, it does sort of have a business model that's not unlike netflix's uh it does not have the huge volume of content that netflix does so here here's how it lays out uh the developers of um at the company MacPaw, uh they're based in europe
1: somewhere the ukraine uh, the ukraine ukraine that's kind of european a little bit depends on who you ask but go on yeah (laughs)
0: let's not get
1: into that Are we getting into politics again? (laughs)
0: Geopolitics (laughs) with
1: that. Absolutely.
3: Okay, let's just leave that one alone. Uh, So MacPaw, this company, is developing this thing called SetApp. And their business proposition is basically this. We're going to give you um, a bunch of apps for a single monthly price. And that collection of apps is managed by them, curated by them. And they are saying that, they they have I don't know I think they're going to market with say I don't know forty fifty apps let's say I'm I'm not sure of the exact number forty five but they right. don't oh thank you um, but they don't want more than three hundred maximum three hundred so over time they'll continue to add apps uh, based on the uh, business relationships they set up with with developers obviously so. As, as they bring developers on board um, by their choice, of course, because they're looking for apps that fit the profile that they have of being of high quality and targeting a particular uh, niche that they feel will fill out this selection of apps. So for 10 bucks a month, US, you get unlimited access to these apps. And the way it works is you've got a magic folder in the finder and it's a set app folder. And it contains essentially a thumbnail or a hyperlink to uh, each one of these apps that's available. And so, if you want to use any of the apps, you just click on it, and the app gets downloaded to your to your Mac, and you're good to go. Basically, it looks like it's just a really solid Finder type integration. Um, so that's basically it. Now, from the business side, the um, you know how, how do people make money from doing this? Is that developers join the program. And they will get a percentage of the sale. MacPaw, as the runner of the store, is going to take thirty percent of the revenue from the sale. Uh, so the developer gets seventy percent of whatever app is actually downloaded, and they've got this algorithm to determine uh, usage. So, and it, and it's complicated, and this is I think something that we should talk about if you look through this article and see how they're actually doing it. Um, so MacPot takes 30%, the developer gets 70%, and of the 30% that MacPaw takes, they then use uh, two-thirds of that, so the 20% of each sale, goes uh, into a pot, which is then dispersed as a reward to developers who bring users into that ecosystem.
2: So that's basically how it works. Interesting. We, didn't we, we talked about this before, or somebody had this as a proposal before, didn't we, about... A year ago? Was that not ringing a bell with anybody? Well, we've seen other app stores.
0: Sorry. uh, I'm not sure I recall one that was quite like this by just some other sort of random third party starting from scratch. But there was that model from Amazon's app store where we were talking about, oh, like, are they going to inject ads for, like, other apps? Or are they going to inject ads for, like, hey, buy some Huggies and some Budweiser kind of stuff? We weren't entirely certain, but that was on the, um, you know, depending on the, like, hourly usage, I think, you would get some fractional value for that.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I like the sound of it. The stable of apps, I mean, I think that's going to be the huge selling point is, like, is it just going to be, like, 30 utilities from the same company? Like, those um what's the company they, they do those Mac app bundles and it's like 29.99 and it's you know $500 worth of software and there's like one thing that you want in there and the rest yeah, are kind of exactly. I don't know any anyway, I thought maybe it would be like that but they actually have a really good stable of apps in there that uh makes it much more compelling like it says aside from MacPaw's own app uh own apps there's like rap we just mentioned Rapid Weaver is mentioned Ulysses the um text editor or the document editor and um yeah good selection it looks like
2: yeah i think i've used that one before i bought this app called dash i don't know if you guys have heard of it mm. is that on the yeah, mac dash app store team dash we uh, well no it was it was i don't know it was through one of these uh this uh um sites where you know i bought like a package of them yes i think it was my pick actually a while back That's so nice when solution? can we uh when can we get this uh, aaron <laughs> That is the
3: question. It is an unknown at this point. So they haven't announced a launch date. And the there's a link to the website. Um, it's setapp.com. Uh, they aren't announcing anything at this point. You can enter your email address to request an invite as a user mm. to uh, to get on the beta, I guess, perhaps, or who knows, or to be notified when it's launching. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's On their site, there's also a developer section where you can get in touch. And it's basically just a form you fill out. And uh, as a developer, you would send a request in to be considered as part of their catalog. Interesting. Um, And uh, I tend to think that uh, if they're good with this, if they're smart, they're going to be very picky
1: about what apps end up in this service offering. Yeah. So uh, I imagine on the developer side, they would give you some framework that you would need to link in to handle the permissions and the licensing and that kind of thing. And then yes, you absolutely. would have like a you could have a Mac App Store version, you would have a version you sell on your own website. I assume that's still allowed, and then you would have like this setup version. Yeah, that's right. Cool. I think that's exactly right. I don't think I don't see a
3: lot of daylight between this and putting your app into some kind of bundle deal like what Tim was just talking about. Mm. It seems like a very similar proposition. Except you get like recurring revenue with this one, right? That's right. Mm. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And so there's sort of the question of, you know, how much money will you make? Well, that depends, obviously, on how how popular this becomes. Um, and so really it's it's down to MacPaw to make the case to end users to adopt this, this platform hmm. um, to see whether it makes any sense at all. Um, the real question is, uh, will Mac users, the consumers of software, find this $10 a month a compelling deal?
0: I yeah. mean, it seems like it's much more for the developer and other creative professional side. If you ask me um, a, a lot of the stuff that was mentioned for uh, actually it, the previous article as well from Dan council. Um, they're not really issues if you're sort of like the average user, right? Like the, the app store is, is totally fine with all of its um, sandboxing bits because the kinds of apps that tend to run afoul of, of sandboxing are the kind of apps that are kind of more towards that professional side or uh, more technical side, right? We mentioned Coda, we mentioned I mean, heck, I mean even Alphabet, like just look all these apps like,
1: here, right? Base, Clean yeah. My Mac, Code Runner, right? This Git Fox, mm-hmm. I assume, is like a Git client, so yeah, I mean, right there, Jaime, you're right.
0: Yeah, so I, I think it's fine as an alternative. I mean, it, it's kind of nice that the Mac does have that option of, of being able to do that. Um, I'm not sure it's quite appropriate for. The majority, but it could be quite, you know, appropriate for the folks who, you know, have money and are willing to spend it because these are the kind of tools that will save you time. So real-time follow-up,
2: the name of the company yes. that I bought the package from was Mac Update. Yeah. Yes. They're the ones. These developed bundles of software, yes.
1: I have bought it before, mainly because there's one app in there that's usually $40 and the bundle is like $30 and I just want that one app, so I mean, it's worth it for me.
6: Yeah, that's the last leader and the rest of it is Old versions or whatever. the The thing I wonder about this is, in order to for it to get popular with a lot of people, there has to be enough value in the apps, obviously, for people to keep spending the the money every month. And uh, so, if it turns out, and this is an if, if it turns out that there's a few apps in there that are the ones that people want to use, and the rest of them are just sort of filler that you know just to make it look like there's a lot of apps, then the people who are who built the the high runner apps are splitting all their revenue with people who built apps that aren't so popular. So, so it becomes potentially less effective for them to actually use this than for someone else. So there's less incentive for them to stay in it as someone else. So the only way I can see it really working is if they get a whole bunch of popular apps in there that are all kind of roughly equally popular. Uh, And it's possible that they could do that, that that could happen. But um, I wonder. Yeah, I no, It'd be really interesting to see. Mm.
1: I mean, I think MacPod themselves have enough reasonably compelling apps that I think they've got a, you know, they'll get a pretty good foundation. So uh, mm-hmm. it looks pretty. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. could be. Yeah. I wonder if it'll
3: create like a system of have and have not apps inside of this ecosystem. Yeah. You know, um, well,
6: I also, yeah, I wonder if, if you as a developer will get compensated based on the usage of your app. Well, As that's what they're saying. Being, yeah. Oh, is that? Are they saying that? Yeah, that's okay. what they're
3: saying here. Okay. They're saying there's going to be some form of algorithm, mm-hmm. uh, and so they're going to track the amount of time you spend in. But I mean, huge proviso here because there are certain types of apps that are not meant to be used for long periods of time, right? So you look at um, right. Clean My app. and Mac. there's other
6: apps that kind of run in the background all the exactly, time. So exactly. Exactly. Do you, do you get. To to get a lot of extra credit for that
3: yeah so they're trying to figure that in um and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whether that's fair or or even accurate or meaningful is really anyone's guess that's what makes it so complex to assess i think from you know as a developer am i actually going to make anything worthwhile out of this but you know in my thinking when i look at this um any any independent mac software developer is probably going to be inclined to try anything Mm-hmm. right so if they do have the opportunity to get into this marketplace why not yeah why not right what harm will it cause yeah, assuming it's and relatively do easy to make some money to get from in
1: it. right it's like oh you just linked this one framework the uh, application did finish launching and you're done right and it's like yeah why not i'll still have my sales over there i'll still have my sales over here and i'll exactly. get maybe i'll get some money over here maybe this will take off
3: damn advertising so i will uh, definitely be keeping an eye on this as it as it comes along and and yes, Greg, I think you should use Git Fox, and, you know, get right, get right in there.
1: Speaking of the Mac, st- the Mac App Store, who wants to talk about the uh, Apple TV App Store? Somebody's not laying claim
0: to this topic. They, they forgot to put their name.
3: Um, is this the Apple TV Apps? That was me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, it came in late because uh, it just happened this afternoon. Uh, so in our final topic of the evening... It uh, was just announced this afternoon or early evening that you can now buy Apple TV apps on the iOS or Mac. And this is something that we've been hoping for for a long time. Um, The hugest thing, right? So, like, if you develop an Apple TV app, then you want to be able to market that to potential customers. And the only way to do that was to tell them what to look for on the Apple TV's app store. This is what search figure you should put in to get this app. Well, now for the first time, developers can create links to their apps, which users can then go into on their Macs or on iOS, and then go into the app store on their devices and then have it download to their Apple TV.
1: So well, if I so have an Apple TV app deal. that does not have a bundled iOS app, just 100% Apple TV, then I can buy right. it from somewhere other than my Apple TV correct cool huge huge it must have been a big deal i can imagine
3: from apple's side of things that maybe this is like super hard you
1: think so <laughs> it must have they been already have I guess? that you know if you buy a, i know <laughs> if you buy a purchase on phone a it will automatically download on phone b i feel like they already have the infrastructure and to ipad do c yeah yes, exactly i know okay and yeah from your mac even you can you could buy
3: an app on an ios app on your mac in itunes yes and it would download to your phone or ipad or both yep um heck if even even before this i could buy an app on my apple tv and have it appear on my iphone yeah you know uh
1: this is the first time that you can actually have a link to an app that's tv os only so you think it was difficult or do you think it's like oh right uh, let's get that intern to work on it as uh, a guessing suggest.
3: the guessing that's the one <laughs> okay. yes okay. that's my thinking on this um, of, of course we'll never know, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what took so long because that, that to me is something that totally should have been done. Shocked that it hasn't been,
0: but it's great that it's there now. I'm a little surprised considering that the app stores themselves are essentially just web views that it isn't a little bit more seamless uh, for this sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah. nothing burns me more than when I'm like, you know, on my iPhone or my iPad, i cruising twitter and somebody's like oh go check out this cool app i'm like yeah i want to check out that cool app oh this is a mac app oh and says oh it sucks to be you you can't view this you need to be on a mac to see this i'm like why why can't i say at least see the page and tell me like in a big old banner like hey you can't use this on your current device but it looks like you have a device you could use this for would you like to buy it sure i would love to buy it Like, why make me remember to go back to my Mac and like, oh, I better save that at Instapaper or Notes or Pages or something and come back to it later. I'll just forget.
6: Yeah, I've had the same issue with trying to see an iPad-only app on my iPhone. So I've wanted to tell someone about an app that's iPad-only, but I don't have my iPad with me. I only have my iPhone. So I'm hunting through the App Store looking for this app, forgetting that I won't be able to see it because it's iPad-only and never finding it. Uh, it's it seems pretty ridiculous that you you can't just even just see in the in the App Store app you can't even see an iPad app iPad only app and right. and buy it if you want to. It's but on
3: the iPad you can you can see iPhone only apps.
6: That's correct. Yes. Well, there's no such thing as an iPhone only app. Right, because any iPhone app will run on the iPad. Oh but yeah, not, yes. But not not vice versa. Not
3: vice versa. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. That that is exactly why. But it, it is it is a peculiar. Um, absence that uh, you cannot even look at ipad apps on the phone that's right yeah, and i wish that were the case i've been burned by that a few times silly apple it's like um all their all their platforms are balkanized in a, in a in a major ways that um they they built them and then now they're they're doing integration efforts to bring them closer together even though they're all based essentially on the same technology good
1: old web objects right
3: yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> web objects forever <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness is that it um, even have we reached the
1: end of this we, document well that that's the end of the main topics right. anyway um now it's time for the second half yeah. of the show right
3: yeah i you were i love how you listen
1: greg i i love that I just, I just love that i realized on the ride home that i had not finished uh episode 117 so luckily there was a lot of traffic today and i listened to the remaining uh, 58 minutes that i had in that episode just <laughs> not two hours ago oh wow that's great um how is life can i ask you how life is in san francisco are you enjoying it i am enjoying it yeah lots of stuff around you know center of the tech universe and all of that it's uh yeah it's interesting being kind of in the area for stuff to happen yeah i'm enjoying it Do, do you go to a lot of things do you find yourself at events like every night not every night, no, no. Uh, but often or frequently uh, or? the meetup stuff. I was just at a conference. I was at Swift Summit for the last couple of days, uh which was nice. Yeah. And uh so yeah, that kind of thing comes up once. And, and that one was here in, in San Francisco as well, so that helps. I didn't have to travel anywhere. Well, obviously. Yep. San Francisco, center of the universe, cetera. Exactly.
3: exactly. <laughs> have you have you um? Have you received many job offers to work for different companies than the one that you're working at right now? Yes,
1: of course. I'm sure you get emails all the time. Um,
3: Actually, no. No? These days, I haven't seen a lot. No, okay. not at all. Okay. That, which, is, which is funny. But uh, you're getting emails. Do people not approach you in bars and say, hey, you look like an iOS developer?
1: <laughs> maybe I don't go to the right bars, or maybe I don't look like, like an you're iOS not. developer. I don't know which one it is. Are there people
2: walking around swinging cats?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's the way. Yep. i tell you if i did live in the bay area myself i'm pretty sure i would like pretty much always be out at events because i see them on twitter you know yeah um when i'm not being horrified by the other things of which we're not talking about tonight mm-hmm. um that there there's all kinds of things happening in san francisco oh it's true events yeah so uh i think i would probably go crazy and it's just well i live here <laughs>
1: I would like to see that, a social errand going crazy in the bear, Area. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would enjoy that. Uh, it would that. be a totally different side of I me. I would enjoy I, that.
3: If, I would not. Well, great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do
6: picks then. <laughs> All right, why don't we do that? Uh, Mark, have you got a pick? My pick is that Apple is now making it possible to use promo codes for in-app purchase. So I don't know how many people actually use promo codes these days, but... Uh, I don't use them that much these days cuz most of the apps I've been working on lately have been free apps. But back in the in the day, in the old days when I was making apps that were actually for pay, uh, you know, you know pay once apps, I used them all the time. It was an amazing marketing tool uh where right. you could send out uh you could send out promo codes to bloggers and websites and whatnot and and hopefully they would check out your app and and talk about them. Uh and it was the most useful tool possible. I mean, you would send out Pretty much every code you could get your hand on, and and at the time it, they were limited to I think 50 per per version. It's now gone up to 100, and we would just go through those constantly and just send them hmm. all out, and, and and it worked pretty well. Uh, got to the point where you know some people would who knew my apps would see the code and and you know instantly start uh, downloading it and using it. So, but the the one problem with promo codes has always been that. It's, it can only be used for the initial purchase of an app. It can't be used for, for in-app purchase, which is why up till now it's been fairly useless for a free app because you know, it doesn't cost anything to, to download the free app, so why use a promo code? Well, now finally, Apple is allowing the use of promo codes for in-app purchase. So, so even if it's a free app initially, you can send someone a code and let them download the purchase content uh, for free for, for demonstration purposes. So I think this is a this is a great thing. Uh, it's it's uh, definitely improves the the marketability of apps because uh, in a way that you, you were limited in before, where you you can't have someone that you're trying to get to review the app, see the full functionality of the app without spending some money. Well, now they can do that. So I think this is a great thing.
1: Mark, I haven't clicked and looked, but how does that work? Do you go to the App Store, type in the promo code, then go to the app? And then hit Restore Purchase. Like, how does? Do you know how the mechanics of it work?
6: Yeah. So, so if you if it's a free app and it's a and you haven't installed it, it will redirect you to the App Store and just automatic. And actually, I think it will automatically install mm-hmm. the app if it's free app. Uh, if it's if it's not a free app, uh, you need to have the app already installed. So you have to give them a a, a code for the the base app itself. Mm-hmm. And then a second code for the in-app purchase. If you want to give them. Okay,
1: both. but let's say I have the app installed, and then you give me a promo yeah. code for the in-app purchase. Do, do I go to the App Store app and type it in?
6: No, presumably. Presu- actually, you know, that's a good question. I haven't actually done it, but presumably, what happens is in your in-app in-app purchase mechanism, mm. uh, it, when it takes you to the the pop-up that says, "Do you want to install? Do you, wanna, do you want to? Do you want to? You know, ask you to put in your your password and all that." I'm guessing that there's a there's a way there to, to install the the code oh, or yeah. to, to type in the code. Oh, but I don't right. know. I don't know. I haven't actually tried okay. that.
1: I'm just like the only place I know to put the promo code is the app store. So I'm thinking, do I put it in right, there? And then right. like, how does the app know? Do I have, you know, restore purchase or whatever? Uh, I was just curious. Or do you have to build something yeah. into your app to have an input view to you know, for someone to type in that, that code. Yeah.
6: All of these are good questions and I don't know the answers because it just happened last cool. week and I haven't had a chance to, to dig through it yet, but th- these are great questions. Yeah. I don't know.
3: Let me uh, read to you from the article An accompanying support document notes in-app purchase codes automatically trigger a download for free host apps. If they are not already installed on a user's device, paid apps follow a different process that requires users download the app or redeeming a separate promo code before redeeming the purchasable item. Hmm so right. i think
1: it does happen on the uh, app store that would be neat if you just typed in the promo code for the in-app purchase and then the app would install and then maybe on first launch it already calls the you know purchase callback and it just installs it for you that would be neat yeah that's what it i hope it's like, like that because otherwise i think hmm.
6: you'd have to you'd have to build that inside your app though because
1: no because app store callbacks or sorry store kit callbacks can come in at any time right
6: yeah, but your app might not be in the, in a position to do anything about it, right? So, so if you have a, the way you, you initiate a, a transaction is you have to you have to initiate it from your mm-hmm. app, uh, and then it, at some point later it will call back to your your store kit callback, but it's up to your app to be in a position to receive that. So it, it's possible that apps, and in fact, I know for sure uh, in some of my apps, if you haven't gone through that initial situation where you where you kick off the 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 uh, the initial request. Mm-hmm. It won't know what to do with the callback once, you get, once it gets. Mm, it.
1: That makes sense. Still cool. Now that we're in the freemium world, yeah. right?
6: It is. Or <laughs> actually, you know, even in the in the in the pay world, it's it's still pretty cool because now, like I was saying, you can you can give your user your your guest user the full functionality of the app, That's right? By giving them like
1: the, your the like the your math pad, which I just purchase. heard about an hour ago. Your math pad with the in-app purchase to do, to do the uh, export, right? You could just give that away now
6: that's right yeah so if the developer of that app wanted to send me a promo code for the in-app purchase i would be happy to uh try it out and discuss it further i'm pretty the, sure mark the has the two the us show?
1: dollars yeah. for it so don't don't send them one
6: okay right. yeah the promo
1: code for the goodwill hunting mode that's what i want
0: <laughs> that, that one's maybe fun nice. maybe that
1: one is five dollars so yeah they,
2: they can send us one of those right right all right it's time for the uh, showdowns so we have to cue the um good the bad and the ugly music so we have a showdown between the pickmeisters, Jaime Lopez Jr.
0: and Greg Here Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think our, our, our uh, pick of the week or selection of the episode, um, <laughs> arms race. We, we we have an armistice. deal. I think deal we've now, reached a. Deta- or...
1: It's like the uh, arms limitation treaties of the seventies, right? I think we've uh, we've signed something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Right, right. So I only have a single pick pick this week, and. Um, it's for those folks who kind of are on the fence about the new MacBook Pro with its wonderful touch bar. Um, if you're like me and you ran out to the Apple store locally and said, oh my gosh, they don't have them in stock here. What's going on? I can't try it out. And sadly had to drive home. Um, you could do this, right? So um, Andreas Verhoeven and Robert clarenbeek hopefully I didn't butcher that too badly, uh, have come up with their touch bar demo app. So using Xcode and this uh, source code, which is available on uh, GitHub, and we'll have the link in the show notes, it will um, let you, if you... It should be noted here. If you have the correct version of macOS Sierra 1012.1, build 16 Bravo 2657, (laughs) make sure you have that, as we mentioned kind of earlier in the show. Um, But now you can install this software on your iPad, and when you're using your Mac... Uh, you will get the touch bar as if it was sitting right there on your wonderful new MacBook Pro. Uh, It's not perfectly great, but if you look at the video here on the Verge article, it kind of gives you the idea of like, you know, shove this right at the tippy top of your, um, you know, your wireless keyboard and just kind of imagine what it would be like and see if it's for you. (laughs) Again, it's not totally the same, but if anything, for me, I'm interested in, because I haven't actually gotten around to trying this. I just found this a day or two ago. I'm interested to see how this will feel for what I would like to see. I think I mentioned in the other show that most of the time, or I should say at least half of the time, my MacBook Pro is kind of an additional monitor, right? It's kind of, in fact, right now it's sitting off to my right-hand side and I have the primary monitor right in front of me. Um, I'm curious to try this out to see what will it be like to use that touch bar and a you know keyboard accessory like the way I have right now, I have my. Um, I actually have two different keyboards: the um, Fancy Pants new slimline Mac you know, wireless keyboard, and uh, I'm kind of curious to see what it's like when that travel distance from your eyes is not, you know, a couple of inches like it would be for the MacBook Pro, but is more, you know, maybe about a foot distance from the keyboard, maybe a foot and a half keyboard distance to uh, monitor. So worth a try cost you nothing interesting
3: well i'm gonna find out in a couple of weeks what this thing's all about mm-hmm. there was a um some french website seemed to have prematurely released a video review of this new macbook pro with the touch bar suggesting that there are reviewers out there that have it right now in the media and i think gruber mentioned tipped off a little bit that he's got one in hand as well So I think uh, we are ramping up to a point where there's going to be an embargo lifted, and we're going to see more info about the the new Mac Pros, and they are going to ship. I cannot wait for that part. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to it. Now, according to my my shipping notice on my MacBook Pro, which was ordered on launch day, uh, I will be receiving mine uh, on a date between the 21st and 25th of November. That's uh, two weeks from now.
2: So do we know at this point in time what the sort of delivery times are if somebody was to order one today? Are they still like two to three weeks? Is that what well, that's works? an excellent question. It might be three yeah, to well, four I, weeks last I checked, Tim. Let's but, have uh, a
1: yeah. Aaron, is
2: the... For
1: some reason, I thought I had already seen a review. I guess not, though. But I... Thought the embargo was already lifted and people could talk about it, but uh, I guess not. I guess they oh. want the reviews to come out right before they're about to ship, right? That's the usual way they do. I it? think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're seeing reviews of the of the Escape Edition one, the one without the Touch Bar. Ah, uh, all right. And the, the yeah, the so the non Pro Pro Light 13 inch one, right, with two ports Right. Okay. Got it. Yes. Got it.
2: Yeah. So why um, do you call that Escape Edition? Oh, because it has Escape key. It has the Escape. It's the key. MacBook Pro 13 inch like, with what?
1: traditional function keys. Tim, that's what they call it. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah nothing to do with the prisoner episodes or something like that no uh i'm not a number
3: i'm a free man (laughs) i think that's Um, a reference
0: why didn't they call it the funky edition (laughs) oh (laughs) oh, that's not bad uh, i like that the funky edition oh
3: damn it lopez that was awesome
0: right i wish i'd gotten in on that twitter conversation (laughs) before i could have maybe where were you (laughs) well you know apple has
1: a twitter account you you know at apple at tim cook and then uh send those suggestions along That's it. That's how it works. That's how these things, <laughs> things happen. Um, just a real time follow up. It's four to five
3: weeks if you're ordering today. So uh, this this is uh, somewhat back order, and just as we saw earlier, I think they're uh, probably struggling to meet demand. It's it's still, despite get it all as the a stocking animus, suffer right? Still a stocking yeah. stuffer possibility though. So if you order yeah, it for like uh, eighteen hundred US to just walk in the door, why not get two? Why not get one for everyone in the family? Um or just you know max it right the hell out, get the fifteen inch starting at twenty eight hundred dollars and and then build from there.
1: And I guess the lump of coal will be the uh the funky version, right? That's pretty much what I'm yeah. expecting. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Just hear like what can you what's the most you can spend um on a on a MacBook Pro fifteen oh, inch. Oh man, they have the two 42, terabyte option now. What is it? Yeah. Forty two ninety $4,299. Um and that's predominantly the the two terabyte yeah. SSD which uh, which adds like, let's see here, $800. Well, more like 1200 Yes, $1,200 on the baseline. <laughs> for, wow. the, for the That's one terabyte drive? Two terabyte. Two, two. terabyte. So oh, the base two. model... Wow. 50, yes. 15-inch MacBook Pro base model comes with a half gig, or half terabyte, sorry, SSD. If you want to upgrade that to the two terabyte, you're adding $1,200, which you could buy a whole new computer for that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... That's pretty nice. On the
6: computer and an external drive. (laughs) Yeah,
3: Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, that's fun times. I'm looking forward to getting mine, though, which was uh, significantly less expensive.
2: All right, so where are we? We're in the Greg Hio
1: portion of the picks? That's right. I also have a single pick. Ag! Single pick. So way back in the archives, if you go to episode 109, titled AirPods in the Future, I was listening to the episode, and I believe it was Aaron who picked a command line utility called Tree print nice uh, directory listing nope. trees or something like that. Who picked that? That would be me. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. my apologies then. It was Mr. Lopez who picked the tree command line. I'm a Lopez, utility. Yeah, no
6: worries. It's cool. And I thought... Just from a pure probability argument, you should have been able to guess that, Greg. Well, why? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cut <I got> that
3: <laughs> I pick nerdy things, Mark. What yeah. are you trying to say? No,
6: no, no, no. From, from, I'm talking about quantity of picks.
1: Oh. Oh, that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> one. Well, they're all mixed in together. That's true. Either. That's true. No, it, it felt like an Aaron pick to me for some reason. Anyway, anyway, tree, command line utility. And I lo- listened to the episode back then and I thought, oh, I should, I have a command line utility that I want to pick next time. And so that time is now. So. If you've used, if you're a programmer, you use the command line. You probably use grep to search through, um, search for some keyword in a single file or an entire directory. There's like e-grep and things like that. Um, but there's this other utility called ack. That's a c k, and it's it was I think it still is. It's a Perl. It's written in Perl, and uh, so I know it from my Perl days. And it's like a better grep because it's a lot faster. It searches the entire tree by default. With grep, you have to do like recursive and set a flag. Uh, ACK will ignore like your .git folder. And it's just designed for searching code. So I think it may like exclude comments. So it won't, won't search through the comments by default, but you can turn it on. Or maybe it does, but you can turn that off. So you just want to find code. Anyway, so it's just a general purpose grep, or it's grep, but not general purpose. It's for code specifically. So I've been using this for a really, really long time, and it's awesome. And then just recently, I found that there's this other utility called AG, so not ACK, but A-G, which is also the symbol for silver on the periodic table. And so it's called the silver searcher. So it's A-G or AG, and it's like ACK, but it's written in C, and it's way like 30 times faster. And uh, it uses, you know, it's multi-threaded and whatnot. And so if you are on the command line and searching through all of your source files, and you don't want to ignore the stupid git directory, and you don't want to ignore like you know, Vim does backups with uh, putting the tilde at the end. You want to ignore that stuff, and grep won't do that for you unless you set the flags. You should use this and install it and search through those files uh, with blazing speed. That's my pick.
0: You're a madman, That's man, pretty Greg cool, because like, sometimes the searching capabilities within Xcode itself won't give you exactly what you need, mm-hmm. especially if you're spelunking around trying to grab stuff out of the Xcode project itself. Yes. Um, And uh, if you're like Tammy, sometimes it blows up on you and you can't even use the dang thing. Yay,
4: now, come on.
0: (laughs) Why not use this while
1: while you're waiting (laughs) for it to reboot? I should mention that it takes uh, regular expressions as well as the argument. So if you have some fancy, um, you know, regex voodoo that you want to do, then uh, you can put that right on the command line. So it's super fast. Oh, and I should also mention one more thing. Um, The gentleman who wrote it has a series of blog posts about how he wrote it and how he kept improving the performance over and over. So it's just a really interesting kind of, as he was improving the app, he wrote these blog posts about it. And so uh, it makes for a really good read as well. So you should check that out as well.
5: Nerd. Cool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Was that my outside voice? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so it's always your outside voice um oh whoops <laughs> so uh should we ask our audience member tammy do you have a pick
4: i don't greg stole mine <laughs>
3: He
4: stole your pick <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> he is so shifty <laughs> that's not true but i don't have one this week no, no pick all right I, i've been busy Um
1: how was uh maybe we can talk about it after but i want to hear maybe a at least a brief summary of how uh ireland and how the uh Ool conference was uh but i think tim might have a pick first before we get to that go ahead greg no i said tim might have a pick are you awake tim? oh sorry i <laughs> thought you said tim you had. i
2: heard <laughs> yeah tim. No, I,
6: I heard that too actually. tim i have I a pick too.
2: before you go okay oh yeah. no sorry so i, I d- said Tim. Okay, so my pick, now that we're all totally confused. So I'm actually teaching Swift this week, um, teaching some um, some seasoned iOS developers. Uh, I have finally got an opportunity to teach them some Swift and some Android developers and some services people. And uh, so I've, you know, collected, uh, I've talked about this on the show before. It's difficult to teach Swift, especially since Apple keeps changing it out from underneath me. Um, so I'm currently teaching Swift, and I discovered this guy named Greg Heo did a couple of talks over the last couple of years, and I've been using some of his videos in the course. And so I, I was looking for his uh, latest talk, which was done, that I know of, was done at RWDevCon 2016, where he talks about, um, he does an example where he takes Swift from, takes Swift and writes it as an Objective-C person would write it, and then shows in the in the talk how to convert that from Um, Objective-C style classes into structs and uh, gets you to rewrite your code in in a sort of Swifty manner. So that's been very instructive and the students really enjoyed that part of the video. And I also stumbled across a previous one um, that he did at uh, 360iDev which was called Switching Your Brain to Swift. So if you're struggling with going from, if you haven't made the leap yet to uh, 3.0, you better get on the train as we said last week. Um, but if you're still working in legacy code and you haven't quite got your head wrapped around it, I really enjoy Greg's style of explaining stuff to people, and uh, it really makes a lot of good sense. So that's what I've been doing, and I'll put those two talks in the links in the show notes. I think one of them you have to have a subscription, but the other one is free, freely available. I believe they're both free. Are they not? They are the YEPCon. Uh, I think mine is one of the free talks. I think. At oh, least is it? it? Was okay. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it should still be then. I'll go and incognito mode and
2: make sure, but I think it is. All right. <laughs> yeah, so we'll uh we'll uh, have those two talks in the show notes. So, there you go. That's my picks. And that's it, I guess. We're done. That's work, it. That's that's all done. she wrote. I mean, what cool. else do we even have?
3: Nothing. <laughs> well, there's nothing. There's nothing else going on in the world this week. It's been a completely empty week. We that's have nothing true. to talk about.
2: Right, exactly. Good point. That's it. That's it. Mhm. So, Aaron, if people wanted t- to find you on Hello? the interwebs and they wanted to find out what your opinion is on things, where would they look for you? Oh, they would get opinion from me, I tell
3: you, on the Twitter machine at Aaron Vay. All right. And, and hi. You hey? can hear about the things that don't talk about on this show. All right. Also so, on Twitter
0: hi- as at <laughs> the Dev of the Hair. Uh Mark, people want to get a hold of you?
6: Mark R at Smapsoft.com.
2: And uh Dr. Greg Hio Jr. Uh, engineer of course Esquire
1: uh, you should uh, follow me on Instagram I'm at Instagram.com slash Greg hio.
2: all right good call oh I have a question for you about Instagram after the show uh, and Tammy
4: I'm on the Twitter machine as well at uh, Paradox 927
2: all right okay and that's it for yet another whoa, week whoa, Tim who, oh. are you, oh, who are you man who are you man this really is like three man. times in a row he's gonna forget man yep. oh man there's too many people on the show this week <laughs> anyway uh, once he could always
6: add himself in later too. And mm-hmm. as usual,
2: my name is Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I can be found yeah, so yeah, my name's Tim Mitra. I'm on Twitter. Wow, that's pro Tim that is so pro. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Who cares? You're super whatever. Star, the world has come to an end. Doesn't matter. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> All right. So we'll say goodbye for the week. All right. Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye. 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 You've just experienced the More Than Just
1: Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show you can also follow the show on twitter at mtjc underscore podcast if you'd like to support the show you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc thanks again for listening
2: What did I just say
1: before I was going to, um, hmm. you wanted to hear about Instagram and I oh, wanted to hear so here's about my the question. question. He he
4: oh, wait, 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 no. send me a check for a thousand dollars. Greg, come on stop. Oh, well, no. so aside from yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: Good. Okay. So <laughs> thanks, Tammy. Thanks for reminding me. Um, so yeah, so I hear vine is dead, which I, you know, barely use vine as it is, but so how does somebody do a vine on Instagram? Like if that's the kind of thing you want to do. But, um, well, I I hear Vine is uh, mm-hmm. Vine, Instagram and Twitter have become replacements for Vine, right? I guess you can just
1: you can just post vid- videos loop on Instagram, so you could just post a oh, short the new video. Oh, loop? Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: I didn't realize said loop. I okay. forget what the min. I think
1: videos have to be three second minimum. I want to say on Instagram, so you could just make a six second video and it'll loop, and just do that. Oh, I see. People love boomerang as well. You know, it does the uh, kind of the ping pong loop, where it goes back and forth and then reverses. Oh, right.
2: Forth and right. Back That's again. on Instagram.
1: Uh, it's an it's from Instagram. It's a separate app, and uh, you can post oh, those videos anywhere you want to. But you know, you can share them on Instagram too, and then they will loop infinitely back and forth. Um, so cool. you can do that too. It's not quite Vine, but you know, it's just another kind of repeating video.
2: Yeah, because I have some I have some repeating vines that I like to uh, I would like to save for posterity mm-hmm. before they disappear into the ether. I
1: saw a post somewhere that said Vine might actually be for sale, and apparently they had some interested people. Ask and so it might live on in the end. Um, I thought they saw a tweet mm. or I saw a story about that. Yes, I saw that yeah, too. So it looks like it's a thing that might be happening. Yeah, I mean, Twitter Vine may not yet be dead. Twitter could use the uh, all the monies, right? So maybe they'll end Ooh, up selling it. Yes. Mm.
3: Yeah, hmm. they could be saved. Who knows? Yeah. Right. Who oh. owns Periscope? Is that Twitter? That is Twitter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. So that's another video thing they've got. and They not talking about so
1: well, Tim
5: uses yeah. it all the yeah. time. Yeah. It's still, it's it is, around. and I've, I've actually seen time, a resurgence
0: yeah, yeah. resurgence of people using it. At least in you know my my Twitterverse connectivity. Yeah, yeah f- and, Facebook
2: and, video is becoming quite popular too. Like the a lot of the Facebook Live, I should say. Right, so some of the celebrities I follow are using Facebook Live now instead of Periscope, stupid Facebook. and or and or I think maybe they're doing. Is there a way to do both at the same time?
0: Uh, both. What? No, Whatever. that would be really cool. I mean, you you kind of need like. Two devices to do what you're trying to do there, across both ecosystems. Oh, like have
1: one one trailers. device run Facebook Live and one device run Periscope and just like hold them both in front of you. Is that what you mean? You could like duct tape them together like uh, Sigourney Weaver did in Aliens with her guns and flamethrowers What if you could get like an yeah. just like that? If you can get an iPad and have them side by side and they both access the camera. <laughs> <sighs> That's so hot. Yeah. Let's
3: do that. Okay, yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, guys, right? I'm
3: gonna I'm gonna check out. All right, I'm gonna go and like drown my sorrows some more. All right, okay. All I'm not quite done All drowning right. my sorrows.
0: See, you, Aaron. All right, All you right. guys
1: have a great bye, night. Aaron. See
0: ya. It was unfortunate about Vine, but I feel like Vine and Periscope probably should just belong as part of the Twitter app itself. It's mm. kind of weird having these other, you know, video experiences outside when they've done something fantastic with the live streaming. Like if you yeah. You know, if you're away from your cable box, you can watch the NFL Network games on there. And so, where's if I want to yeah, watch those, those NFL things.
1: games, where do I do? Do I do? Do I use the Twitter app for that? Where does that happen? Yeah.
0: yeah uh, uh, I've Don't used be the both the app game though, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I've used both the app and uh, the browser. will we'll host it as well. You'll see a big old banner at the top say, "Hey, such and such is going on live. Watch it now." Mm,
1: okay. Okay. Cool.
6: Greg, are you becoming a football fan?
1: I am not. No but thanks for checking. Just thanks to for checking.
6: <laughs> uh, no, I was just hey, curious. the Oakland Raiders are pretty good this year. I mean, the Raiders are pretty good this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They beat the Broncos. I was kind of a surprise. But they're in
1: Oakland. That's like, you know, I tell my family, Tim will get the, it's like the Scarborough of San Francisco, you know, Tim would, Tim will get that reference, but yeah, you know, yeah. way mm-hmm. on the East Bay,
2: you know, it's like, uh, I might get shot or something. So yeah, Oakland. <laughs> Back in the day, California had a hockey team called the California Golden Seals, which were out of Oakland as well. True story.
6: Wow, like I, I didn't know that there was a there was a baseball team called the Seals too.
2: So Tammy went to tell us about oul
4: Ool was fantastic. Well, if there's a yeah? conference you can get to, that would be the one. Really? Yeah, it's, it was different than any other experience I've had at conferences. I think it was more intimate, and more personal, even though that there was a lot of people there. Hmm. Um, I think the the format that they had was interesting. You know, they, they focused more on the individual and less on the technology, although the technology definitely was present and in the forefront, it still wasn't the primary focus. It was the, the individual story. So like I said, if, if you have an opportunity to get out there, I would definitely do it for sure. And I heard, I think they're, they're doing, um, another one in March or April, you have to check I that thought out. he was
2: eight, eighteen months or something like that. Like as he said, I think when we had him on roundabout, he talked about the fact that this is an eighteen-month layover because of the fact that one of the organizers had a had a baby and it just wasn't going to work out. That's why they had it in November. Yeah, but I thought he was. Gonna, I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to wait till the next because I mean the amount of effort it takes to put one of these things on till no, the next no. March. Th- oh. They
4: uh, they made an announcement that like th- th- you know like twenty seventeen March oh, okay. they're doing it. Yeah.
2: Cool! Wow.
4: Yeah, and the uh, the venue was absolutely gorgeous. I, I can't even. Just Ireland, man. Yeah, got it. Yeah, go. no doubt. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt.
0: But was it like an indoor theme park, like it was at Indie Devstock? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. But there was plenty of things to do out there. I mean, you know, I I, I did my talk. It was a ten minute storytelling session, and I did that. I think it was on the like one of the first days. And, uh, I kind of checked out after that, to be honest with you, just because it, 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 it it was so intimate and so different than anything else I had experienced before that I think I sort of kind of went into my own little world afterwards. Um, but the part that I was present for it, it was quite enlightening and just the, the, it was very different than any conference I have experienced on this side of the pond. And that's not to say that conferences in the United States are any less significant or a value. They're just very different. And I don't know if all of the conferences outside of the United States are like that, but I know that this one was. And if given the opportunity to go back, I would absolutely do it. For sure. I mean, it's not even a question of eh, maybe. No, absolutely. I would be there.
1: I never thought I would live to hear Tammy say the word outside the United States and over the pond. So <laughs> I think we should mark this moment.
4: <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, Greg, but I am officially over my fear of flying. Now.
1: I read your, um, I read your, was it the blog post or was it a Facebook update? What was it? It, it was I read a it blog somewhere. post. It was a blog was post. A blog I read post. it. I read it.
4: Yeah, I couldn't do much of anything yesterday Uh, you know, that required (laughs) a lot of technical thought. So I decided I'm just going to write about my experience, you know, on a personal level about the things I learned and I learned. And, uh, that was it. One of the things I learned is that you can totally get past your fear. If they stick you in a tiny little airplane for like six and a half hours, you can get over your fear of flying.
1: (laughs) So I'll see you in California soon enough then.
4: Absolutely. I, it, not a problem. I mean, look, I w- it wouldn't be like my top things I want to do today is get in an airplane and fly, but it's certainly not going to be one of those things where I freak out and, oh, I can't do this. You know, I'm not like March Simpson anymore. Let me out, let me out, let me out, let me out. Nope, not anymore. Totally cool.
0: Awesome. Do you know what kind of airplane you flew
6: on?
4: Oh, yeah. Um, the, you know, because we took a connecting flight out there and a connecting flight back. And of the four flights we took, uh, they, three of them were airbuses. One of them was this tiny, it was the first one too. It was this tiny little, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm on this plane, airplane. How many seats across? Uh, Three seats across?
1: Four seats across?
4: For the most part, um, they were the, the three seats across. Yeah. Okay. Except for the, the, well, the. The three of them were airbuses, the transatlantic on on Aer Lingus were the big ones, and that was just like sitting on a couch and flying across the pond. It was absolutely like magic, fantastic yeah. yeah no the yeah. bigger
1: the bigger planes are always good you get um i mean they still cram you in, but uh, <laughs> there are at least well, you know there's two lie. aisles, and it's nice
4: the uh the flight back from Dublin to Chicago. We were sitting on on the, uh, the runway or whatever you call it, and we were a little delayed. And all of a sudden, the pilot comes on and he says... Um, sorry for the delay, but we've had an issue with our hydraulics and, uh, we reset the computer, but we should be fine now. I'm thinking really should be fine
2: now. Okay. Runs on windows. Yeah. Yeah.
4: That's exactly what I thought too, (laughs) Tim. like, well, all right, we'll see how this goes. But at that point I was like, I'm either going to make it or not. (laughs) It's out of my hands at this point.
1: I had a, we taxied all the way to the runway, we were about to take off, and then they were like, oh, one of the crew members in the back heard like a rattling noise down in the uh, the cargo area, and um, when they were loading the cargo, they were like missing a pallet, and so we were delayed, and they were like, you know what, we're just going to go without it, and so they just closed it up, and they're like, we heard some rattling, and they're like, maybe because there was a missing pallet, maybe they didn't secure, like they thought there would be one more box in there to fit the puzzle piece but there wasn't and so like we're gonna go back and we're like oh my god we were already delayed we made it all the way to the runway we went all the way back and they had to open it up again and then they were like yeah actually it was loose they didn't like tighten the last thing to secure the cargo down and so they were like you know good ears on that crew member so yeah so we were super delayed getting there but uh wow. yeah He did say it it would have been fine. We would have taken off and there might have been like a weight issue, but he was like, it it would have been fine anyway. But, you know, always better to have large, heavy things secure down below.
4: Yeah. Well, my son on the entire trip was like, hey, um, maybe we're on the same plane that they were on on Lost and perhaps we can get (laughs) to that same island they were on. I'm like, you know, you're such a jerk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If it makes me feel any better there's so much redundancy yeah with air travel yeah that like you you really only i mean if they if they wanted to take it to the limit you could fly on a single engine if it's a two engine yeah yeah like it, it 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 will be able to take off uh with only a single engine on uh they never do that because that's a dumb idea but
4: uh there's a definite Hmm. difference between airlines too because like when we flew we flew Aer Lingus and United mm-hmm. and I have to tell you Greg I don't know if you know this <laughs> but <you> know.
1: <laughs> as soon as you say a U.S. airline and a non-U.S. airline I already know what you're going to say
4: yeah. it what a difference and yeah. you know that the I traveled with three other people and uh, one was my son and, and his best friend and then one of my friends and uh, she said to me, she's like, oh you you really made a good choice with with the airlines that you choose air Lingus was absolutely fantastic I mean, they fed us pretty much from the time we got on the plane to the mm-hmm. time we got off the plane yep. and they were very pleasant and charming and so on and so forth. And she says, you did really good for someone who doesn't fly. How, you know, how did you choose these particular airlines? I said, well, let me tell you something. I have this friend, his name's Greg Heo and he travels all <laughs> over the place because he's just like Mr. Cool. And he posted this picture once on Facebook of him getting on his plane and it was an Aer Lingus plane. And I'm like, ah, oh, well, if Greg flies Air." It must be cool. And that's the only reason I chose
1: them. <laughs> you know, you were flying to Ireland. So I think your choices of airline might be limited anyway. But it's a good choice. What I like, and it's like a culture thing, but they them—they don't call them passengers, they call them guests. I don't know if you noticed that in all the announcements, Tammy but they always say you Actually,
4: know you're right if oh my all of goodness, our guests, all of our guests could be yeah. seated
1: please or you know uh if you know if there's already a guest in the lavatory please you know don't line up or whatever but I uh, i noticed that but they use that word i think it's an irish thing maybe in like gaelic the word for passengers is like more like guest i know in korean mm. it's the same thing like if you have a customer in your store it's the same word as like a guest like having a guest in your home so
2: um i, I don't know they say it in english but I uh, i noticed that. i kind of like it I was going to say Carol's cousin Graham and he just retired from Aer Lingus but he was a, a flight attendant for many many years and he's mm-hmm. a super nice guy so you can just mm-hmm. imagine the service you got.
1: I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was flying to the UK so I did have some other options but uh no, the Aer Lingus flight was really good. And they have very good ears cuz they can even hear like, you know, a piece of metal <laughs> whatever rattling, rattling, rattling down, yeah. down in the cargo yeah. hold from like the sitting in the back <laughs> of the plane it was amazing. So yeah. Good, uh, good on them. Even though we were late, it's it's still all worked out. So I was very happy with it.
4: Hey, it's better to be late than dead. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) just saying. Uh, Wise words.
4: And I was shocked. I didn't realize that a friend of mine was taping my talk. And uh, she's Mm, like, "I saw it It was like the
1: boot. It was like the bootleg version. It was the bootleg version." She's like, "I, I, I
4: hope it's okay. I recorded your session." I'm like, "What? You did what?"
1: She's like oh no you
4: totally got to watch it i'm like no because i didn't i probably shouldn't admit this live on the air or anything but i i kind of knew what i was going to talk about obviously i had my topic but i didn't know what i was going to talk about i i went up oh, on really? that stage hmm. yeah i went up on that stage with zero notes all i had in front of me was a timer that's it i i knew that i had 10 minutes and i knew that i was going to talk about Taking a different path to get to this particular point in life. And I just went with it. I kind of wrote a rough idea of what I was going to talk about maybe Hmm. 15 minutes before I went on. And I just sort of wung it. Winged it. Wanged it. You went all (laughs) that way. You went went all that way just
2: for 10 minutes of talk? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm.
4: It was ten ten minutes and forty six seconds. I ended up doing. Wow, best ten minutes and forty six seconds of my life.
2: Yeah, and you made me do like forty minutes for my talk.
4: I know, but you wanted to do like a hundred and forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, I did that talk again at TD just a couple of weeks ago, and and again, I went to record it, and it, and it didn't. The audio didn't record, but. Um, yeah, it, it ended up being a 40-minute talk, so it's really tough to talk to do that talk any shorter.
1: Well, speaking of conferences, I was at the SWIFT Summit, and maybe the most exciting thing was the number of folks from Apple who showed up.
5: Yeah.
4: Really?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, that made me a little nervous because I'm like, I'm going to talk about... Swift and I have a slide of like source code up there, and I'm talking about it, and it's like, oh, the people who wrote this are actually going to sit there and listen to me. So it made the uh, it didn't help the nerves, but it was pretty cool to see them around and uh, and talking to people.
2: So you dropped a name on the Slack channel today of somebody who came up and introduced himself. It was uh was... the very helpful Joe Groff.
1: I don't know how much yeah, who... Swift you're doing on or whatever, but uh, he's very like he answers every question that is ever tweeted to him. He's part of the Swift core team. And uh, I think at last year's LLVM conference, him and Chris Latner did a talk together. They did like a half and a half half and half talk, and so mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's right in the middle of it. But he's very active on Twitter, and his Twitter avatar is I don't, it's like you know a picture of a dog or I forget something like that. Um, and so I was always like, oh, you know, how, do you, how am I going to know it's him? I won't recognize him. But um, someone pointed it out to me. And I went up and I wanted to say hello. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, hey, Greg. And he's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to come find you. And he's like, you know, you look just like, and I made some joke like, you know, you look just like your profile photo. Like, um, yeah, that was my, uh, that was the highlight of the conference for me, maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I follow him on Twitter, actually. Yeah, yeah. So he's as helpful in person as he is on, uh, on Twitter. So, uh, your buddy build friends, like I said, I got to meet them. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, uh Nate Cook, you know, and his hipster, Nate Cook. Uh, yeah. He was there too, so I got to meet him in person. That was also very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it was a good time.
6: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.